With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Thanks for hanging out. Welcome to Thursday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We are going to talk plenty of college football, some FPI, some Nebraska year four expectations. College football insider Brad Edwards uh, with us a lot of our one. We'll hit recruiting and what's uh, in store for Nebraska here the rest of this summer and into the fall. Greg Smith. I haven't talked to Greg in a hundred years. Can't wait to hear from Greg Smith. Some recruiting and football with Greg from Hale Varsity next hour. Then Brandon Vogel also will join us. And we'll, we'll dive into a lot of different things. We'll start off with some basketball and the grad transfer news in a moment. But that whole topic, you know, do you want size or speed? Do you want talent or experience? And what happens when you get to combine both? Right. What happens when you combine that talent with experience? Good things obviously can happen, right? You you talk about the NCAA tournament and you've got your one and done teams that are just so crazy talented. Kids are, you know, ready to go to the NBA, but there's first the the NCAA year they have and in years uh, where that, that high level talent pops, you get a Kansas, you get a Kentucky or you have an old team like uh, Frank the Tank Squad uh, of Wisconsin, right, that went to a Final Four here a few years back, or, or some of those uh, beeline-led Michigan teams that everyone uh, on that team feels like they're 48 years old and play at the Y on Saturday morning. Well, uh, you got an interesting dynamic and possibility for Nebraska football this year because of the talent uh, you know that there's talent down there and the experience, there's not much they haven't experienced or seen. And that's that's a, a topic we'll get into with Brandon Vogel, specifically, you know, what what can you get from Adrian? Uh, he's got the degree commercial going, right? Uh, got the, the, the endorsement there. It'll, it'll smell all nice. Good for him. But uh, I'm, I'm so excited to see, uh, you know, a, a, a fourth year from Adrian Martinez. Uh, you're going to see a, a, a new guy wearing uh, Husker Scarlet and Cream. That's Alonzo Verge, grad transfer from Arizona State. And this guy can ball, man. And this guy can ball. You have uh, more options at point guard. And you have three players that, that I want to kind of compare and contrast here a little bit here. You've got Verge from Arizona State. Teddy is on to his fourth or fifth program here, Teddy Allen. And, and then you also had uh, Delano Banton that is sticking with uh, his NBA dream. Good for Banton. 
And what are you getting with Verge here? Because ultimately, you're having to fill uh, that roster spot here for the mayor. And with Banton in the NBA, with Teddy off to another program, what what is the role going to be for Verge at 6'270 pounds? Incredible high school talent from Chicago. Chicago Sun-Times Player of the Year went JUCO, uh, went off for 30 a game at Moberly JUCO, and then was ultra-dynamic at Arizona State. 30 starts, 51 games, two years, sixth man of the year in the Pac-12, uh, just shy of 40% from uh, field goal range. This is a guy that can hit free throws per his percentage. And, you know, what What fits for him with Nebraska? Your point guard options, obviously, Verge. You have McGowan's. You've got Webster. You've got Bryce McGowan's. You also have Koran uh, McPherson here. And I love uh, the film I watched here of Verge. His crossover is sick, uh, is incredible. It's slithering to the rim. Use that high post uh, right around the top of the key to, to just shake somebody off the dribble, cut through the lane, and then, granted, it was a seven-minute highlight film of makes, but he was so good uh, getting to the rim at 6-2 amongst the trees and finishing at the rim. Uh, does a nice job of getting downhill and accelerating. Uh, a few threes there. I, I kind of stopped watching the highlight tape about four minutes in. Didn't see a lot of assists the, the first few minutes. Not that he can't, because I think he averaged just shy of four. But this guy could be instant offense for Nebraska, whether it's as a starter or as a sixth man. I think he's wanting to, to, to probably come in and start. I don't know what's been discussed. Took his official Monday, but he's a, a nice option for, for more points, more depth, whether he starts and kind of goes around the horn with this Hoiberg offense or if he's a guy they turn to off the bench to go get you double-digit numbers. Yeah, and from watching his highlight tape, I would have thought that he was shooting 100% on the year last year. It just seemed like he didn't miss in the highlight tape. Well, right. You don't. You're different, a little different than football, <laughs> smartass. I get it. But No, but um, we have something in uh, Isaiah Roby sent out a tweet and said uh, he played in the same MLK Day tournament in high school as, uh, as Verge, mm-hmm. and uh, his uh, memory was that he's a bucket. Yeah. And, I mean, that's evidenced by last year, Arizona State, he had a 41-point game. He scored uh, 41 of their 58 points. Yeah, and I was looking at the, uh, the Nebraska <laughs> the record in a 40-point loss. 41 points in a game, though, would be good for the second highest uh, output in a game by any Husker player ever. Mm. I mean, uh, the record's 42 from Piatowski, and uh, in second place is Alex Mark with uh, 41. So Piatowski went for 42 against Oklahoma. Marge lit up somebody at probably Iowa State, sound right, or Tech? Mm Mm-mm. Oklahoma? No. I'm going to go through the whole entire Big 12. It was K-State he scored 41 ah, against, but... We he, we loved it. He also has the record for most points uh, in a game away from home, because uh, Piatowski was in the Big uh, 12 tournament. Big 8. Big 8 tournament. Yeah, you're correct. After looking, yeah, you're correct. It was uh, the semifinal <laughs> of the Big 8 tournament. Yeah, uh, but uh, Mark did uh, 37 at Iowa State, so you were close with the Iowa State guest. So I remember him going off against uh, the, the Cyclones. That was the... Call your years, or was that the Doc years? That would have been 2006. So I think it was, that was the Doc, Doc years. Yeah. So Marich, uh, Marich uh, was in studio with us at KRNU a hundred years ago. Hold on a minute. I wasn't. I wasn't still in college then. I'm lying. One of the basketball players was in with us. Well, he was one of like the first basketball players I remember watching from Nebraska basketball. Was him and uh, Lance Jeter. Yeah, the, Jeter was awesome. Yeah. I like Jeter a lot. So the thing here with uh, with Verge. Um, he just has great handles. 
right? I mean, he, he dribbles so well, and you need that. But his change of direction, and if if you get hedged or trapped, he can split a double team. And Coach Smith always preaches this, right, when we're doing basketball games, and he's as good a fundamental guy as there is. How do you, do you finish off two feet or one feet? What's your balance like? Can you gather and then score? You finish off two feet, guess what's not happening? There's not 78 offensive foul calls as you're going to the rim. Did Nebraska lead the nation in charges last year, or did it just feel like it? Well, it felt like it. Nebraska was... <laughs> <laughs> they were good for four charges a game, right? And yet somebody spinning uh, with their shoulder down, who may have transferred, uh, not named Banton, and that that's one that's one thing that that was an issue. So finishing off two feet highly underrated. There I go. But what do you think here? Uh, you got to like this get for Nebraska. Uh, it's going to be chemistry so important and everyone's got to understand their role i mean fred's gonna gonna load up with with your your glue guy and and find your rebounders uh he also wants unselfish play great can can everybody fit and find their role who's your candidate to to lead the nebraska at, at point guard here and the other thing too is if we're talking addition by subtraction and i don't mean that in a negative sense i'm saying you're getting a guy that can put points on the board like Teddy, and you're getting a guy that can get to the rim like Benton. You lost both of those implements to your team, right, when they left. You get a guy that can do that and fill that void, uh, and you get a guy that's a little bit better three-point shooter when you look at Banton's numbers, okay? Ben had a great workout, good for him. But uh, over two seasons, you've got uh, three-point numbers that are, that are better for Verge than what Banton has had. It's not that Banton couldn't have worked on it, gotten better this season, but this is what you're replacing it with. Well, and what's going to be interesting for me to see is if what, what Verge's role is going to be. I see some people on Twitter saying this is going to be our new starting point guard. And I don't know. He was the, uh, the 2019 and 2020 six-man of the year in the Pac-12 conference across the entire conference. Like, he's a proven commodity off the bench. Uh, he's proven that he can score effectively off the bench. Does he want to still do that? That's the question. Right. But whenever I look, I, I see a starting five of Trey McGowan's at the one, Bryce McGowan's at the two, CJ Wilcher at the three, uh, most likely uh, Latmayan at the four, maybe Eduardo Andre at the four, but I think he's more of a five. And then you have uh, Derek Walker at the five with Eduardo Andre coming off the bench at the five. That, that's the, the starting lineup that makes the most sense to me is the two McGowan's, Wilcher, Somebody at the four, probably Latman, and then uh, Derek Walker at the five. And I see him coming in more off the bench. So I think this is going to – it's going to be a good test to see how far along this Nebraska basketball team has come uh, since last year to see where Verge slots in. Do they put him in right at the point because he's got that experience at point guard? I don't know. Uh, but it, it is going to be a good litmus test to see how this young talent is coming along to see where he actually gets placed within the lineup. You know who I'd like to see continue to to make a charge? Give me Trey. Trey at the point Trey guard. At point guard. I like that. I, he I, did I well at the end of last year. He point. got comfortable. And it's not that he can't do it. He's super talented. But the more you let him do it, I mean, he took Banton's minutes at that spot. He is, I'm not calling him Russell Westbrook, but he's Westbrook-like with his athleticism and his explosiveness. I, mean, I think he. I think he's an insanely high-level athlete. His first step. Oh God, it's quick, 
and and he's so strong where he can take hits and finish. But I think his his ability to create intriguing. So if I'm putting a lineup together, um, give me give me Trey at the point guard. Give me uh, Bryce uh, at the small forward. Okay. Give me potentially here Verge here at your shooting guard. Give me. Um, Walker at the center. Walker at center, okay. And then give me uh, Andre Orlat as as your four. Yeah, and but but that's what's cool about this Husker basketball lineup is really once you get past him, mean, even the point guards, but it is positionless basketball. That's what mm-hmm. Fred Hoiberg has been trying to sell, trying to build here. So it is cool to be able to like, yeah, of all these guards, really any of them could play point guard at any given time, depending on uh, how a game is going, uh, how comfortable guys are as we get through the fall and into the winter, which guys just come to the, the forefront of being a guy who can handle the ball. Because really, in Fred's eyes, it doesn't matter all that much as long as you have some guy who's effective. He doesn't care what you recruit you here for. It's positionless. John emails in Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Love hearing from John Harris. Uh, he nailed this. He nailed this. They aren't going to be running the offense through Teddy, which will change everything. <laughs> yep. Ding, ding. If we had a prize for best email, we're going to call the fight already and say, uh, Brother John is is right on. That didn't feel like it. I mean, here's here's the catch. Here's 40 points, either volume or efficient, depending on the night. You had the offense going through, and sometimes the ball would stick. Bang. And you're going to be able to run Fred's offense or run Fred's sets. And you had moments where you were competitive. You even were, were, hey, you got a couple more wins in Big Ten play, uh, but it's been a tough start. I love getting a guy like Verge, but you nailed it. Everyone's got to say, yep, I'm buying into my role. Guys that returned back know their role, right? They want to win. So Verge leaving ASU, why? No, I, I want to I go play for Fred because I'm familiar with him. When I was in Chicago, he was in Chicago. Let's be honest. It's his last user. He's a grad transfer. It's his last shot of being able to make an NBA roster, a professional roster somewhere. So you go somewhere that's got the experienced coach that has been putting guys here, into here, the NBA. Here, here's what it is. It is it is that NBA cred that mm-hmm. Fred has because two times Verge put his name in to leave Arizona State in the last two years for the NBA. And what he got back, hey, we think you're a good baller, dude, but we don't know if you stack up to where you would like to risk losing school, leaving school and, and, and hope to find a landing spot in the NBA. This is Fred. This is Fred being able to develop. And this is Fred uh, matching up with a guy who wants to play at that next level. There's why, there's why you leave ASU. Oh, 100%. I mean, he had a workout with the Charlotte Hornets like last week. Like, he was still trying to make an NBA roster. I'm sure he heard something, and I was like, okay, I need to go find something else somewhere else that is going to be able to <laughs> allow me to take this next step. Charlotte's like, go see the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be back here in a year? Go see the mayor. But no, that's a thousand percent here. You've got a, a different... You had, you had, like, a lot of alpha dogs in, in the locker room last year, but you had the, the big dog was Teddy, and it was... It was him, and for him to, to move on, we want him to have success down at New Mexico or New Mexico State. I forget which it is, but I know it's a fourth or a fifth program, and it just it just didn't work, accepting of role. And 
It's not every day guys go, a guy goes for 40 or can, can make a bucket or a tough shot like Teddy. You've replaced that a little bit with Verge uh, and some of the not stupid shots, but just degree of difficulty where you're able to get an opening, go up and finish. How many times did Nebraska wear you out last year with missing at the rim? A lot. I mean, they led the country in percentage of shots that were near the rim, within eight feet or something yeah, they, like that. They got, they got the, uh, the attempt they wanted. <laughs> yeah, but they had some of the lowest percentage they of They didn't get the finish they wanted. All right, we'll switch gears, talk some college football. Brad Edwards, college football insider, a lot of years, 25 years with ESPN. And uh, he has a book coming out here, uh, Dynasty by the Numbers, uh, Bama's uh, Greatest uh, Decade Run. But we'll spend time here on Nebraska, some FBI, and uh, that uh, discussion here of talent and experience. Hail Varsity continues. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio listen? On Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back into it, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's talk some college football, some NIL, some uh, FPI. We welcome in college football insider and author, Dynasty by the Numbers, uh, Bama's uh, greatest run, the uh, best decade in college football. Brad, I, I'm sure I just screwed that up. Correct me, my friend, <laughs> at J. Brad Edwards on Twitter. But uh, your book is going to be a lot of fun for college football fans, Dynasty by the Numbers. How are you? It's July, my friend. It is It is July, so we're, we're getting close. And actually, what, about two weeks, less than two weeks away from uh, at least SEC media days, mm-hmm. and uh, they're, they're usually the first one to go off, and then uh, other conferences to follow, so yeah, I would, uh, I would say that we're, uh, we're getting to that time where, where people start to more seriously focus on college football and get excited for the season. I think maybe some fan bases are more uh, apprehensive than excited, but um, <laughs> at least right now everybody's undefeated. You uh, you pretty much painted the picture here. What's the uh, the, uh, the the level of, of trepidation for for Nebraska fans? We'll, we'll get into some Husker topics, and you, you mentioned Big Ten Media Days uh, or just Media Days in general. I, I have not had the pleasure of SEC Media Days, but I hear there are a party down in Hoover. Uh, typically, uh, Indianapolis is the site. For this year's Big Ten Media Day extravaganza, we'll be there on site doing shows, which will be cool. But I got to ask you, have you been to Indy and is the shrimp cocktail at St. Elmo's for real? (laughs) Um, You know, I have not been to St. Elmo's. Um, I have been to Indy. I actually did an internship with the Colts when I was in college. Now, now I got to date myself here. This is when the Colts were absolutely horrible. This is pre-Peyton Manning. Um, it was actually the year that they were so bad that they had the first two picks in the draft when Steve Entman and Quentin Coriot went one, two. Brad, do we have you, bud? You, you got me now? We got you now. You you just left off with uh, Coriot and Entman one, two. I remember that. Now it's 92, yeah, wasn't it? Coriot. Yeah, so they, 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 had, they had gone one and 15 the previous year, and uh, they ended up going, I think it was nine and seven. Is it nine and seven or seven and nine? Uh, the season that I worked for them, but um, but yeah. So so in other words, I have been to Indianapolis, and I and I think that was I was there uh, 
two other times, once for a Big Ten championship game and, uh, and I believe once for a women's Final Four when I was with ESPN. Okay. Well, so what, what, are, what are the Brad, uh, Brad Edwards recommendations, I guess, is what I'm asking from what your memory serves. Uh, I, I, I would – let's put it this way. If I go back there again, I will have to try St. Elmo's. Okay. Um, <laughs> when I was there before, I was, I was always on some sort of, uh, some sort of plan where I had a, a – what would be the best way to describe it? Um, a per diem, sure. I guess, where where anything I didn't spend on food, I got to pocket. And uh, I think that you have a lot of listeners who will appreciate this. It's like when when you're going to get, let's just say, $48 a day for food, um, you, you go get fast food as many times as you can, and then you save the rest of it, and then you, uh, you know, go buy a game for the Xbox or something like that when you get home. So that's uh, <laughs> that was my M.O. back then. I wasn't really concerned with fine dining as much as I was saving up money. That makes sense. I'll take the uh, the two-for-one deal. And uh, look, Brad is $45 <laughs> for, uh, for Tuesday already. How is this uh, NIL going to going to be entertaining or interesting in your eyes down not just across college football but you know the sec well i we, we all know how competitive the sec is do you see it uh helping some of the the mid-range programs and i'm using that mid-range term with all due respect can can, can it make a dent when it comes to attracting talent, I look at, at some of the stories this week. I look at Miami, a big boosters giving the football team, I think five hundred bucks total investment of you know just shy of five hundred fifty thousand dollars. He's a gym owner down in Miami. Yeah. I look at uh, Uncle Phil at, at Nike, Phil Knight, and Thibodeau is partnering with uh, with Tinker and, and Phil, the guy who did the Air Jordans, of course. That's pretty unique and really cool for Oregon with how they kind of reinvented and separated themselves with the, the wardrobes right on top of their the Chip Kelly blur style. Now, you know, what are some things you think could happen down in the SEC? Uh, you know, Bama already uh, develops you, and you're, you're really good anyway to go there. So <laughs> they've been killing it without NIL. What, what, uh, what's Bama's plan of action in your mind? And, and also, what are some other options for schools? Yeah, I mean, I, I think whether it's Alabama or, you know, any of the other top programs, the question is, is, is this going to affect what to this point has, has been the predictability of recruiting, which is that the best players want to go where they're going to have the best chance to get to the next level? And, and obviously Alabama, Ohio State, and, and a few others. Are there any now that might say, hey, that's less important to me than being able to make uh, a few thousand dollars more while I'm in school? Now, I think a lot of us have to put ourselves back in that mindset of when we were 18, 19, 20. And, you know, $2,000 meant a lot more to us back then than it might today. Uh, I'm not saying that, you know, it's chump change today. I mean, for some people it is. Um, but uh, I, I just have to remember, what would I have thought at age 17 or 18 if someone was telling me that I would get $2,000 for this compared to what I would think of it today? Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's where you hope that, you know, that all these kids, and I know it's not the case for all of them, but, that, but you hope that they have people who have that greater perspective who can kind of advise them on short-term versus long-term and to make sure they're doing the things that are you know best for their long-term interests. 
Um, but, you know, one of the things that, that I, I think that we'll have to see how it shakes out is, you know, does big program automatically equal big money? I, I've, I've seen people debate, you know, a, a USC, for example, versus um, – well, I mean, well, Brad, you, you, you a, cut out. You cut, cut out right after USC. Can you reset for us? <laughs> yeah. So, so I'll, I'll try to clean that up. No, that's fine. Um, so, what I think is going to be interesting is, you know, whether a program in a in a big city. I mean, I guess the ultimate example of this would be USC, compared to you know someone more like an Alabama or let's just say a Georgia that, that are located in a real college town. Maybe Georgia's a bad example because they're not too far from Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, is it going to make a difference? Because on one hand, you'd say, all right, you're going to have all these opportunities if you're in a big city. But on the other hand, if that big city already has professional athletes that are more marketable, you know, is it, is it really going you know, to make that much of a difference to you to, to go to a place where there are a lot more people? I don't know. I think ultimately what we're going to see is that there are going to be a whole lot of players in what we would consider non-revenue sports, you know, outside of football and men's basketball, that are going to do really well off of this. Um, and, and I don't mean an entire roster of them, but I mean some select player. And, and they might not all be All-Americans, um, but for one reason or another, they're very marketable. And I think that's the reason that this, was a, that this needed to happen. Mm-hmm. It's because for certain people, the greatest marketability they will ever have in their life is while they're in college. And it has always struck me as completely un-American to, de- to, ne- to deny someone the opportunity to capitalize on that. And, and so, you know, we'll see what happens there. You know, you mentioned that the Miami situation where the gym owner is giving everybody on the team a certain amount of money. Um, whether that's a lot of money to him, I have no idea. Obviously, you know, that wouldn't be a lot of money to someone like Phil Knight. Um, but, but I've always thought that people who have made a lot of money, they didn't get there by being stupid or, or by being irresponsible, you know, when it, when it comes to money and budget. And, and so while there might be uh, a few people, whether they're legitimate businesses or whether it's just a, you know, a booster who's trying to help recruiting, um, they may go over the top a little bit here the first year or two, but I think eventually what you're going to see is that there's just not a lot of value in going after unproven players. Because mm. we all know there's so many four- and five-star recruits out there who – Everyone expects to be the next All-American, the next first-round pick. And, and a lot of them just don't pan out. That's just the way it's always been. And, and so if, if you are a business, do you want to roll the dice and make a big investment in someone like that? Or do you want to wait and see, okay, who ends up being that proven commodity? Um, and who can I invest in who I might be able to sustain a relationship with once they go pro and become an even bigger deal? And so I just think there's so much that it's going to have to work itself out over the next year or two that um, there are a lot of reasons to be concerned um, with some of what we're seeing right now and whether this could end up being a complete fiasco. Uh, but I think eventually it's, it's all going to work itself out, and it may end up you know, operating very differently two years from now than it is at the moment. College football insider Brad Edwards with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. His uh, book... Uh, is uh, coming out here in uh, the early part of the fall. 
dynasty by the numbers. Uh, a look at Bama and Saban's run. Well, Brad, uh, hang on with us here for another segment here coming up. We'll dive into some Nebraska and where he thinks the, the Big Red could shake out. Uh, the new reconfigured FPI is out. Nebraska was 46 when it was initially released. They're, uh, they're now below the top 50. Uh, there's been some some tweaks here, and we'll get into the experience and talent side of things. So more from Brad Edwards, College Football Insider, 25 years with ESPN, Stats and Info, and, of course, ESPN Radio. Reminder about uh, West Blue Realty. Listen, uh, the housing market in Lincoln is phenomenal. It's also uh, difficult to find that home potentially because there's so few of them, right? Let an expert or two make all the difference in the world for you with West Blue Realty. I'm talking about Tom Luby. I'm talking about Kelly Hofschneider. Give them a chance. Give them a ring at West Blue Realty. Tom Luby's number at 402-540-3768. Kelly Hofschneider, 402-202-2312. They specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and the surrounding community and uh, they can make your move in 2021 painless you mentioned Hale Varsity and they can provide you up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase so uh, log on today with West Blue Realty westbluerealty.com or real easy to, to go pay a visit to Tom Luby or Kelly Hofschneider today at West Blue Realty 1120 K Street Sweet 200. A busy second hour on the way. Greg Smith will dive in to uh, Nebraska and uh, again losing out on a, a couple of Omaha prospects. That's not necessarily shocking, but it's now a reality. Brandon Vogel coming up, hour two, and more Brad Edwards, college football next with Hale Varsity. Chime in 402 466 ESPN or email the show. Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. A few minutes here. Brad Edwards with his college football insider and author, Dynasty by the Numbers, with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. You can follow Brad on Twitter at jbradedwards. Brad, there's an updated FPI ranking out. Uh, you have some changes, some amendments. And uh, shifting Mississippi State uh, now just inside the top 25 versus being number eight. Miami's up there in the top 10. A lot of love for Iowa State and Oklahoma. Ohio State's there. Let's get into margin for error, right? And let's talk about that. And I know that's part of the, the, uh, the FBI calculation. When we talk about error, we talk about turnovers and special teams, hidden yardage, all those things that can make things a lot closer. One one example last year, I thought Indiana was a really good football team, and they were one of, one of the few teams to, to, to really push Ohio State. You go dig into that a little bit, that was probably, uh, aside from the Northwestern outing, uh, the worst game for Justin Fields. You have turnover issues, and that's how you have a closer ball game. You have a 14 to 17 point spread, and next thing you know, Ohio State's uh, double digit lead is a drive away from either tying or losing the game. But you know what? There's there's just a certain gap, and if you help another team out, that gap closes. Yeah, and and that's that's the way that it, it's always been. And and you know we had all the excitement. Um, in, in recent months, over the uh, the 
you know, presumed expansion of the playoff mm-hmm. and, you know, what that would mean for the sport. And everyone gets excited over the idea of, you know, maybe a, a number eight could upset a number one at some point or a seven over a two. And, and it will occasionally happen because of stuff like that, you know, where, where the one or two seed just goes out and makes a lot of mistakes they don't typically make. And, and, and the other team plays really well. But for the most part, um, in, in most seasons, there is a pretty big gap between whether it's the top two and everyone else or the top three, top four. Um, but, but there's a very select group of teams that typically uh, have a talent edge over the rest of the country. And where that will prove to be this year, I don't know. But my, my bet is it will be a number four or smaller. Mm-hmm. And, and so you get beyond that, and then you've got another cluster of teams that are, you know, uh, approximately number four or five all the way down to about, I don't know, 16 to 20, that there's not a whole lot of difference between them. And then you get this other group where you get, you know, from somewhere around number 20 to 25 all the way back to, like, you know, 65 to 70, where there's not much separating those teams. And, you know, ultimately everyone, you know, makes – judgments on how good teams are based on their record. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times just the, the difference between being the, you know, the nine and three team uh, and the, you know, let's say five and seven team um, is, you know, what you were saying. It's, it's, you know, inopportune turnovers, it's uh, injuries at the wrong position uh, or a string of injuries at one position, you know, you just there, there's so many things that you, you can't control that either go into the good luck or bad luck category that that uh, often dictate uh, why one team uh, ends up appearing to be a lot better than another team that's pretty even in talent. And I, you know, I think that's what the what the fun thing is uh, with these seasons. It's not okay, who are going to be the best four teams and who's going to make the playoff. I mean, as much as we wish there was a lot of mystery there. There typically isn't. It's the next two tiers, you know, that I mentioned. It's filling out the top 20 or 25. It's, you know, who has a winning record versus a losing record. That's where the, those fine margins come into play. And as you know all too well, that's kind of where Nebraska's mm-hmm. found itself for the last decade or more is, you know, in those, those fine margins where, you know, there's not a whole lot separating the, you know, that, that winning record and being a bowl team from, you know, being – Worse, and uh, and obviously the the idea of just being a bowl team um, has has uh, you know for most of Nebraska's history kind of been assumed, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that they've gotten to the point now where you know where there is doubt and and even a mild degree of excitement over you know having that winning record, I, I think uh, I think it's um, you know it's it's obviously a, a big adjustment for a lot of people who've uh, who've been following the program for a long time. Brad Edwards is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Brad, a season is so unpredictable. But when we had Phil Steele on last week, uh, he kind of broke down his college football preview. And we learned that he has put Oklahoma and uh, Ohio State both in his top four. Both those teams are on Nebraska's schedule this year. Oklahoma's at number one. Ohio State's at number three, according to Phil Steele. But I I just want to get your take. How much stock should we put into these these preseason polls? Well, as you know, um, one of the major things that goes into them is how many players are coming back. And uh, while y- you consider that to be very meaningful at the moment, 
we we really don't know how well that's going to hold up. I mean, you are going to have injuries, um, you know, in the in the first few weeks of the season uh, that'll change the face of some of these teams. And then, you know, in in some cases, you'll have a player who people are making assumptions about that uh, turns out to be uh, either much better or much worse than than people had assumed. Um, and so there there are all sorts of of variables that that always go into this to, to dictate. You know whether a team is is truly a playoff contender or whether they're you know they end up in that next tier where they're just kind of hovering around in the top twenty for for most of the season. And so, um, I mean, Ohio State has just they've done this for so long that you just feel like it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. They've got so much more talent than most of the teams on their schedule that that it would it would pretty much be impossible <laughs> for them to to lose more than two games that's the way it's felt for a long time now and it's obviously been a long time since they lost more than two games in the regular season so um i, I would i would expect you you have more of that from them and then oklahoma while i think they have some competition in the big 12 um they've obviously owned that league for you know for well, i don't know was it five or six in a row they've won now and um have a, a really talented offense and a defense that appears to have you know improved a lot uh, over the last couple of years. So um, they, they, I think they have to be the favorite to win the Big 12, but uh, are they untouchable? I don't think so. And then that's, that's where I see a difference between Oklahoma and Ohio State. Like it's as great as Oklahoma could be offensively, up and down the roster, both sides of the ball, they don't have the talent and certainly not the depth that a team like Ohio State has. And so um, I don't know that Oklahoma would be able to survive certain injuries um, as well as the Buckeyes might be able to. But um, unless, you know, unless they have some bad luck, I would, I would expect both of those teams uh, are going to be right there in that playoff door at the end of the season knocking on it. We'll uh, hang out with Brad Edwards. One more segment. Some final thoughts from him on Nebraska in 2021 and uh, what year four holds in store for Nebraska. It'll be interesting to see, A, how the season starts with Nebraska and Illinois, how monster that game is. And then as you fast forward here, kind of your final hurdle before you're back into Big Ten play is the roadie to Norman. The Uncle Andy party bus is headed to Norman. Can't wait for that. But uh, seriously, where do you go from, okay, what type of performance and effort do you get against Oklahoma? What's the final margin there? And then by the time you get through a Michigan and a, and a Northwestern, you got Ohio State looming. You know, how much better did you get from Oklahoma to a second crack at a playoff team at Ohio State? We'll, find, we'll wind up with Brad Edwards next. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Couple more minutes. Brad Edwards with us, College Football Insider, Hale Varsity Radio. Brad, uh, we talk about uh, you know different parts in Nebraska, the margin for error, the expectations, the fan base, the passion. You know, you've been to, to Lincoln a few times. You were in studio with us. You know what? what how do you compute the sellout streak? As a guy who's covered college football on a national level, what does Nebraska's sellout streak mean to you? What's your impression of it? I say that because there's some concern with uh, you know if it can if, if it can hold up uh, based on what many people look at as is a tough season ahead. For most people, I think it's an example of you know just just how hardcore and, and loyal that 
fan base is. And, and the fact that they are so far removed from the glory days, I hate to say that, but um, I, I think that the, the facts speak for themselves. Um, and, and that the streak hasn't ended yet. I think it says a whole lot about Nebraska fans and, you know, and, and how much they support their team and they love the program, uh, even when they're not competing for championships. Um, I'm, I'm sure you could play devil's advocate mm-hmm. and say, well, there's, there's not as much to do in Nebraska as there might be in some other places, and that's part of the reason that the streak has continued. And I would say, you know what, that's, that's true. Mm-hmm. But it's also true for a number of other places around the country where they don't have a, a sellout streak and certainly have not managed to, to keep the, the same level of fan engagement um, despite some down years. So um, I, I think it says a lot. I don't, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's, it's tough because this is, what, year four mm-hmm. with Frost? Um, and, and so, you, you know, you've you got a coach who is one of your own, Year four is, is obviously that year where most of the roster is, is, is now made up of his own recruits. And that is typically when, you know, most people would say that if, you know, if a coach can't get it done in year four, I mean, unless there are some serious extenuating circumstances, then um, if, if, if he's not showing progress by year four, then, then there's every reason to wonder whether it's going to happen. And so I, I, I think this is going to be a you know this is going to be a year where you're going to potentially learn a lot about you know where this this program is likely to be over the next two or three years and and beyond. Um, I, I have I have no idea what the expectation is. You could <laughs> you could tell me a, a lot better, mm-hmm. but I, I look at the schedule and you know you you mentioned or Elijah mentioned the, you know the games where. You know, our, our probable losses, Oklahoma and Ohio State, and then there are a whole lot of other games where, you know, there's certainly the possibility they could lose. I mean, let's put it this way. that You've probably played this game on the air. That's a win. That's a loss, whatever. It, <laughs> there aren't a whole lot of games on that schedule I look at and I say, that's a win. You're not. You're not um, there are using. There a bunch it. of them where I say it could go either way. Well, it's it's in uh, pencil, not ink, Brad. When you fill out the, exactly. uh, the old the old garage schedule, right? The the old Husker poster in your garage. Usually, it's ink. When when no, it's it's all pencil this year. And Brad, last thought here, uh, Dynasty by the Numbers. Where can folks get your book? Yeah, so we're uh, the the website is going to launch. Um, I'm trying to think what the day is. I believe it's July 19th, whatever the Monday is. Okay. Um, we're going we're gonna to launch the website and open for pre-orders. Um, and uh, if, so if you are a, a fan of college football history or you happen to be an Alabama fan living in Nebraska, uh, the, the website name, uh, it's not active right now, so don't, don't bother going there, but it's going to be BamaDynastyBook.com is where it can be ordered. And then uh, we should have the books at the very beginning of August to start shipping out. Well, awesome work on this project. I can't wait to to read it. And thanks for talking some ball with us. We'll do this again soon. Look forward to it. Take care. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. 
Welcome to it, Hour 2 at Tale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal. We will uh, double up on Hale Varsity Insight here. Greg Smith in a moment. Brandon Vogel here in about 20 minutes. Numbers to get in, 466-377-6800-825-5865. Find and follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal and at Greg Smith HV for Greg Smith. Greg, what's up, man? I know it's uh, the dead period. You're always working, though, man. And uh, it's uh, it's time to toss some, some recruiting here. I haven't talked to you in forever. How are you? Yeah, it feels like it's been quite a long time. I am very well. I'm excited. It sounds like I'm hitting leadoff for uh, B. Vogel, uh, so that's always a fun time as well. So, well, how many stars uh, on a on a three through five scale would you would you give your vacation, your roadie? <laughs> um, a five. Uh, I was very busy, but five. We basically fit four vacations in one. Um, we hit San Francisco, Half Moon Bay, um, Yosemite, and then we did Lake Tahoe. So we we did a lot. Did you go to the Corleone residence? Uh, we did not, actually. Okay. I don't know if, if that's like a, a real thing or it's just, you know, movie magic where <laughs> there, there's the, the Corleone compound that's really, truly not far from, from Lake Tahoe. So I had, I had to take a stab at it. I mean, maybe next time. I think it's someone we're going to have to go back to because we didn't get to spend that much time there. Uh, so if we do, I, I will definitely take a look to see if it's movie magic or not. Greg Smith on assignment combing the western part <laughs> of the U.S. for Nebraska prospects. So, Greg, uh, a lot to get into. I, I want to dive in, though, to just the topic of Omaha, and I don't want to wear you out with it, but just your reaction and, and thought here with – you know, Nebraska. It's not like Nebraska's done bad in in the state. It's not like Nebraska's done bad uh, in Omaha. But when we talk recency, it's not good. Deshaun uh, Woods off to Missouri. Uh, Micah Riley Ducker off to Auburn, and it doesn't sound like any any of the other Metro kids may find their way to Lincoln. Does Nebraska have an Omaha problem? Uh, it seems like they have an Omaha problem this year. I think that one of the things about this, and I think you're right off the top there, is that Nebraska has not been bad recruiting in-state. I think that they've been pretty good. Um, but it, it's like recruiting is kind of a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately business, right? And that's kind of how fans view it, um, and in a lot of ways, rightfully so, especially when you have um, uh, multiple guys, four of them in Omaha, that are surefire five, power five guys, and you're going to lose them all. Like, And you pr- pretty much knew you were going to lose them them all for most of the entire cycle, that signals something to fans. Um, and so I don't know if they have an Omaha problem in general or if it's just an Omaha problem this year, but the good or the bad news is we're going to find out real soon because 2023, uh, things are going to continue rolling around the state. Who are some of those 2023 kids that, that are on your radar and um, are you know getting national looks? Give us a refresh real quick. Yeah, so obviously Nebraska has two of them in their 2023 classes started off and Ben Brahma, the tight end out of Pierce, and then Gunnar Gotola, the offensive tackle um, from Lincoln Southeast. Um, then also at Lincoln Southeast for 2023, you have outside linebacker Tatum Tuioti, son of uh, defensive line coach Tony Tuioti. Um, and then you have uh, from Elkhorn South, and a defensive end outside linebacker Maverick Noonan out there. I think Sam Sledge also in that class of uh, Creighton Prep, uh, who I think is going to get more looks as well. But Noonan 
Noonan and Two Yodi are definitely getting Power Five looks already from around the country. Those two are really going to be a big deal for this upcoming class. Well, and uh, you, you have the name Power along with their exploits right. on the football field, so that makes lots of sense. Uh, when it comes to this uh, this this first Friday Night Lights, Greg, what were your expectations as we talk now? You have seven total commits on July 8th, and you uh, went all in early for that first Friday Night Lights in June. Uh, you do have some commits. You've done a nice job there. I mean, you got Paige, you got Applegate, you got Hayes, uh, and you got, you got Torres. Those, those are nothing to sneeze at. But you also don't have the ability to close the deal. Nebraska was all over Ashton Craig really, really early on him. Well, he ends up saying, uh, you know, I'm going with Notre Dame. You got uh, Nico DeLavalier saying Arkansas is where my heart's at. And then uh, Justin Williams and James Mons on on top of Landon Sampson going to South Carolina. Any of those non-gets surprise you? Uh, yeah, um, the uh, James Mons one definitely surprises you as kind of a um, legacy at a position of need in this class. Cornerbacks, they still think that they need a pure cornerback that Nebraska had put a lot of resources in. Like, they had recruited him hard all along. It wasn't like he just popped onto the radar late here, right? We had been talking about Mons um, for quite some time. I think that he told me coming out of that visit from Nebraska that he left Lincoln as Nebraska being his leader. Um, and so either that was just kind of, you know, the old visit high, or, you know, Indiana really found a way to make that comeback at the end. That one was definitely surprising. I think not being able to close on Landon Sampson, um, given what we thought was the situation between Nebraska going all in on him early versus him kind of waiting on Ohio State, and then for him to get South Carolina kind of off the radar and then commit to them quickly was kind of surprising as well. Um, actually, the Justin Williams one, <laughs> i got to think about it. Um, Nebraska really liked him in the beginning. He was telling everyone, including Nebraska, that he was going to wait until the season. And then that West Virginia visit happened happens and all of a sudden that changes after he took that trip to Lincoln. So a few of them actually were surprising um, and all tough in their own way for Nebraska's class. Yeah, I want to focus on Mons here for a second. And it really seemed like, I mean, you're saying, he's saying even Nebraska was the leader. And that, that's what my takeaway was here. What, what do you think the difference was from Indiana? Do you, do you have a read into that, why he picked Indiana? Yeah, I think what what kind of happened here is that Indiana has a pretty good track record um, with players from Florida. Like, they've got some guys on the team that have been kind of in starring roles um, from that state. They've got a couple of assistant coaches that have done really well down there. Um, and then Tom Allen um, is a guy that I've always kind of liked, and he's done a good job of selling his vision. And their program kind of being viewed right now is on the rise. I think it's a combination of all of those. And then maybe he just clicked a little bit more with some of the guys that are in that 2022 Indiana class, which is actually pretty good. Good, um, led by Desai McCullough, who's like a top 100 kid um, after his dad ended up being an assistant coach there. So, Greg, where does Nebraska go now at that cornerback spot now that they know Mons is out? Who, who are the, the next list of guys? Yeah, I think the, the first guy up for me is Avery Powell, who's a kid who took an official visit to Nebraska during June um, and kind of came away really liking Nebraska um, out of New Jersey. Um, he's a little bit smaller than most defensive backs. Nebraska has recruited under Travis Fisher, but he's still a pretty good player. Um, I think Jaden Magnum um, is a kid that could play either um, cornerback, safety, or even wide receiver at the college level. I think his best fit for Nebraska would be defensive back there in the mix with him. And then I think beyond that, you may end up seeing Travis Fisher kind of under 
unearthing some more talent here. If he's done a good job of that during his time here, I think he gets the benefit of the doubt uh, moving forward to be able to do that. Um, but you don't have anyone that I feel right now is just a slam dunk to land in Nebraska class at the defensive back position. Greg Smith is with us. We're talking recruiting Hale Varsity, recruiting insider at Greg Smith HV on Twitter. Greg, want to go back to the, the Florida connection. You've got the the uh, Central Florida uh, street cred uh, with Florida kids down there, Nebraska and this staff now up here. It's going into year four. So it still has, I'm sure, a, a pretty powerful powerful shelf life down in Florida. But it, it, the, the, the longer you're not in postseason action, maybe that, that kind of wears off on Florida kids. Flip it back to your comment about Tom Allen, former South Florida defensive coordinator under Levitt. Great connections down there. But also Charlton Warren, right? We covered Charlton when he was in Lincoln uh, in Polini Secondary. Did an amazing job there. Warren's now the D.C. Uh, at Indiana. Does it come down to Nebraska just having – it's not that they haven't landed Florida kids. They just haven't kept Florida kids. I mean, is, is that a tactic? I'm not saying Indiana used, but it wouldn't shock me if other programs don't use it because Nebraska can, can get a kid from Florida. Can Nebraska show that they can develop a kid from Florida? Yeah, I, I would be. I don't know if Indiana specifically used it, like you said, but I would be stunned if, if teams were not using that on the recruiting trail, um, because it's kind of it, it's kind of unavoidable at this point, right? So if, if you're going to a kid, you're going head to head with Nebraska, you could say, hey, maybe they can sell you, but they don't know how to use you. And oh, by the way, we're winning more than they are if they are, in fact. Um, and then that ends up being pretty powerful. So yeah, I do think that that can be an issue. Um, and those are the two two big factors in that with Florida is that you've got to be able to keep these kids here you've also a three factor you got to, be able to keep them here you've got to be able to have a development path for them where you can start to have some more of those success stories and nebraska has to win because what ends up happening is you can't say to a kid hey we want you to come to nebraska from florida it's a total different way of life um and then have them both riding the bench and not winning like that's a tough sell so if florida isn't the the recruiting Greenland that that it was a few years ago under Frost. If they're struggling to keep the guys around, where, what states does Nebraska turn to to try to create a recruiting hotbed, if you will? Oh, it's Georgia. I think that the, okay. the one that has emerged is kind of the same time. Like both of both Georgia and Florida have been been, been recruited heavily by this staff, um, really since the first day they got here. Like they went out and made a point to to try to recruit kids from both states. There's been a lot more success, it seems like, with kids from Georgia, and that's really starting to spread. Plus, there's just so many players now. We've talked about this here before. Like the explosion of players in the like Atlanta metro area um, can sustain a program by itself. As you see, Georgia Tech trying to rebuild. Um, that way as well. So I think it's Georgia. But then I also think beyond that, it's also refocusing on the Midwest. Like that sounds kind of crazy that you would have to say that that's secondary um, for a school but that's already in the, the region. Uh, but Nebraska has always had to recruit nationally. But Midwest talent has been so strong in recent years and is continuing in future years that I think Nebraska continuing to look at that will also pay dividends down the road. We got into an interesting topic last hour with uh, Brad Edwards and, and something he threw out there, predictability of recruiting and it was in reference to nil and you know how do you change behavior with 
the predictability of recruiting. That means your top dudes are going to Bama. Bama just got the five-star rush end, uh, and they beat Clemson out. But guess what? It was an arm wrestling match between Alabama and Clemson. Right. Predictable, right? So, you know, what? If, if you were to give me what's predictable about Nebraska in a good way uh, with their recruiting, uh, what is it? Because I'm, I'm fascinated by this term. And for years, the you know, to give you an answer, predictability of recruiting was Amon Green was going to get recruited by everybody. Amon Green was not leaving the state of Nebraska. You fast forward 25 years, things have shifted. Your story and feature in the Hale Varsity yearbook's incredible. On kind of, the, the, there's no more border, obviously, with with technology. But you know what? What's what's predictable in a good way about Nebraska, with what they're doing on the trail, with what they're doing uh, when it comes to evaluation. Man, that's a great question because I think that the two things that really came to mind is one thing that they're trying to change, but it's still kind of good, is that um, prospects telling, like me and others, that they are just wild by what they find in Lincoln and in Nebraska in general, and I think that that can still be used um, and can be a good thing, especially if Nebraska starts again, or continues to elevate the program and really gets it to a winning program again, um, and that becomes a little bit less of a surprise, but just something that guys talk about that, hey, that's actually a great place to go. I think that that um, is something. But when it comes to evaluation, like I can always count on Nebraska to be able to find um, the right guys to recruit, whether it's under-the-radar guys like Ashton Craig, what we were talking about earlier, who then blow up and become Notre Dame commits in a school that's great at developing offensive linemen, or it's guys like Isaiah Umpaka, um, the defensive back out of Iowa who's probably going to go to either Ohio State or Clemson, like Nebraska was his first offer um, and had him on campus a couple of years ago. Like Nebraska's really good at identifying those guys early like i can always count on that it's whether or not they're able to stay in the fight and close on them um same with a kid like jaron kanak that was in this current class Mm -hmm. as well so they 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 see what they see on film and they see it earlier either through connections or just you know working harder and they'll make that initial relationship move and start developing there but when push comes to shove they're just not winning enough ball games fair yeah i think that's totally fair because i I think and i really even think it's not even and sometimes you hear that you think oh they've got to be you know winning conference championships or in the college football playoff i don't think it has to go that far and brass just needs to be competitive um and i think that they'll be able to land more of these kids because they're great at building relationships and like we were saying identifying those guys early um i think there's a lot of room to grow within where they could go like if you look at overall class ranking and all of that um but you just gotta you've got to make those strides on the field before those kids will continue to entertain you longer in the they just got to be better on the field. To, to, that's kind of really the, the deal maker for him, isn't it? It's, it's not that the coaches aren't connecting. It's not that the, the visits aren't great. It's not that the, the passion's uh, gone from the fan base. All of that still exists. It just kind of comes down to being seven and five or better and being somewhere on New Year's Day. Yes, absolutely. And I feel like that's going to be a dominant storyline as we get, you know, closer and closer to the season. I feel like that's going to continue to come up. Um, and actually, in fact, something I have going on site today is kind of talks about that, um, is that the guys that are going to turn this thing around are already here on campus. Um, and that getting turned around with those guys is what's going to lead to better recruiting. No, right on. Greg, uh, what else you're working on aside from that turnaround here? Got about 30 seconds, bud. 
Yeah, I'm going to look here coming up in a few days at some of the camp standouts uh, from this season. We talk a lot of, through June about the various one-on-one workouts, you know, Friday Night Lights, all the camps that the coaches went out to. Like, who were some of the names that kind of emerged during that time and got on different radars? I'll be looking at that here in a couple of days. Well, can't wait for it. Greg, we'll check in soon. Thanks for jumping in today. Hey, thanks as always, guys. Have a good weekend. You too. Appreciate him. We didn't even get to talk grilling. We didn't. I mean, we, we just we, we left it out. Maybe we'll have to go there with Vogel. Uh, we need to do some sort of uh, Gr- Vogel, Greg, Schmidt, Grill Fest. I'll, I'll propose that. Brandon Vogel's next. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Working through a Thursday, it's Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. So, uh, we will do a, a second stake in a beer bet, double or nothing, in 15 minutes. The pride of Chicago to guide us, Daddy Burke, is on vacation, which means he's on some sort of mini yacht in the uh, the Great Lakes up in Wisconsin. Uh, allergic to the sun, but that's okay. Is Brandon Vogel? Vogel, did, did you? Well, let me let me ask you this: Have you gotten out into the sun a little more this summer? No, probably less because there's there's much to do in inside. Unfortunately, with a with a nine week old, and uh, yeah, it's just it's so hot that taking outside it becomes a, a no go pretty quickly. So. Remains a work in progress. I'm afraid I backslid even from my normally sun-free summers. Because you were, you were a the sun is evil. Beaches are, are dangerous, and I'm sure where you have your barbecue pit, it's it's well shaded. Fair. Yeah, the barbecue pit is well shaded, um, and yeah, I'm still still mountains over beach guy. Well, that's that's okay. Uh, where are you at here with with Nebraska? We we've had a, a good show, a fun show with Brad Edwards and Greg, and interested in your take here with, well, not just production, but the the topic here of experience and talent. We dove into it a little uh, before in hour one, and do you think Nebraska has enough of both to be? a true difference maker here this 2021 season. There's there's a lot of teams that have talent, some more than others. There's Every team's going to have experience because of the super seniors, right? But it's not always you get an opportunity to have guys like a Ty Robinson, like a Rogers, uh, like a Henrich, and I'm talking about some of Nebraska's younger guys, really play and play well, and then they're underclassmen anyway. But to, to get paired with a JoJo, to get paired with a Stilly, uh, and get that, that bonus year, uh, that's one reason I think Nebraska fans are pretty excited defensively. Do you see that being an advantage for Nebraska when you look at some of the other West squads? Yeah, they've got a, they've got a bit of an experience edge. Um, now, as you kind of alluded to, the curve there is – is a little bit different this year because of the, because of the super seniors. But you know, remove that from the equation for for the Huskers for a moment, and they've been pretty careful with their redshirt decisions. Um, obviously, last year was was kind of a free roll for everybody, but they need to have an experience edge. I would say going into year four, like they've kind of built towards this. They they haven't you know. Uh, played played their wild cards when they could have at certain times with 
younger guys. And, and I think when you look at what, what Nebraska brings back, that's good. Um, it, it gives you a kind of a, a leg up, certainly defensively, over m- most of the rest of the division. What I think Nebraska to take another step needs is for some of those guys who have been in the program two or three years, um, some of the players you mentioned, you know, Ty Robinson, we, we've seen more of him than, than somebody, but somebody like a, a Xavier Betts or somebody like that where you can't really, you know, you can't say with backing it up with too much concrete evidence, they're like, oh, yeah, he's, he's going to have a huge year because he's only, you know, appeared in however many games. And they've got a handful of those guys who have been in the program for a season or more that I think really need to pop. And if that happens, um, Nebraska then can kind of expand upon this, you know, six, seven win range, which seems to be where they're following, falling in, in most of the market. You know, that seven win number can be achieved and, and you can get your work done early or you can improve and, and finish strong and close strong, despite how, ominous that that close is right with the schedule let's look at adrian martinez let's look at at 2018 adrian in your opinion why was 18 so successful for him and let's look at the two middle years before this this uh this this 2021 right we've got a question mark what are we going to get with adrian and and some of that's on him some of that's on the other 10 on the offensive side of the ball Kind of put your stamp on on why 18 went the way it did, in your opinion. And then how did you get what you got out of 19 and 20? Yeah, you know, 18 in in retrospect, I can't say that I felt this way at the time, looks a little bit like, you know, with where things have gone since then, that, you know, it's it's one of those things that you get with, with freshmen often, but particularly a quarterback in that, there's there's not a book on those guys yet. And as you get in later into the season, there is, but you're still figuring it out. And on top of that, it was an entirely new staff, an entirely new system. Mm-hmm. You know, so all of the film that teams had on Nebraska, you know, they weren't watching that going into the 2018 year. They were watching UCF stuff. And Nebraska tweaked some of that. So I, I think there's some of that. I mean, Adrian was just – he just kind of burst on the scene and, and really got momentum early, which I think was a big part to that year too. In 2019, it's, you know, everyone's seen what you could do as a, as a true freshman. So expectations get pretty high pretty quickly. Um, and for whatever reason, you know, injuries played a part in, in most of these seasons as well. But for whatever reason, that just kind of hung over things a little bit and, if you're dealing with that on a large scale, the scale that it is around Nebraska football or programs like it, it can it can be a lot. And then you kind of take that back away in 2020 because at that point it's just like, hey, we're happy to play football. Uh, in particular with the passing numbers in 2020 for Adrian, you know, Nebraska didn't take a lot of shots downfield. I think that contributes, you know, a, a good bit to to that completion percentage number. And that's, that's okay. You know, if you can build on that, which is really what we're, I think, the key question at quarterback for Nebraska entering this year is, okay, can we build on what we did last year? Because last time that was the setup between 2018 and 2019. Uh, I don't think anybody walked away saying, yeah, that happened. Mm. Brandon, has Coach Frost 
had the personnel in any year since he's been here to be able to run the offense that he wants. I guess the heart of this question is, is have we seen the, the offense that Frost wants at Nebraska since he's been here? Or are we still waiting him to have the right personnel? Because it, it feels like the offenses look just a little bit different every single year. Yeah, it, it has. And I don't, I don't think you can say on a broad scale that they've had an offense where you're like, yeah, that's, that's the one. That's what it's supposed to look like. So here things should really uptick. I don't know if I would say that going into to 2021. The wide receiver core is enticing, um, but it's still largely unproven. So, you know, I think myself, like a lot of people, want to see a little bit there before jumping in whole, wholesale on that. Running back might even be a bigger one. Um, they haven't had the kind of the, the type of running back, I don't think, that um, – is, is perfect for, for what they're they're trying to do. And we've seen that with, you know, shuffling through guys. And you've had guys transfer out. And you've had guys leave for other reasons. Um, so, so yeah, the personnel hasn't been perfect. And I, I will say that that's kind of college football, though, right? You know, the roster churn is, is remarkable at this level. And, and the coaches who, who succeed and, and do the best are the ones that, either run a system or have created kind of the program culture for, for lack of a better term, where those things are minimized. And, and when you look back at the Nebraska teams of old, more and more for me, that becomes a thing that stands out is not just the remarkability of the results, which speak for themselves, but how, okay, you lost a major player, one of the best players in program history. Here's who's coming next. And, and the drop-off, you know, was rarely – so big that you were still talking about it at the end of the year. Brandon Vogel's with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine Managing Editor and author with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. Nebraska just reloaded. They reloaded it the defensive line. They reloaded it it's safety. They reloaded the quarterback. They reloaded on the offensive line. And uh, we can say reload, but it had been a, a two to two to three year development process or phase in a lot of instances where guys were sprinkled in and got a lot of reps in practice and then got uh, when, when it was go time, they were ready and pretty confident. And uh, we'll see where Nebraska can go in 2021. Vogues, uh, so the mailbag question in today's HailVarsity.com mailbag posting is this. If beer is allowed at Memorial Stadium or PBA, how many beers would you consume? Would you consume? Sorry. At each game. <laughs> and everybody uh, with Hale Varsity answered, except one Brandon L. Vogel. Now, no one asked me, but if I could have a cocktail during the game, I would limit myself to one per quarter, fair to say, or one, maybe maybe three or three and a half for basketball. Depending on how the game's going, we can go uh, three to four for football. There's my number. What is your number? Many of the Hale Varsity staff, Aaron Sorensen, bless her heart, Mike Babcock, Greg Smith, Jacob Padilla, Derek Peterson, Dr. Petey, you know, no one was going to get sloppy. Many said, you know what, I'm working, I'm not going to have one. Uh, if there would have been beer, if there would have been beer at halftime of the Nebraska Colorado game in 2019, we would have cracked one because it was 21 nothing. Uh, it would have been great. So, what's your number? What is your final answer? Am I working or am I watching the game in the stands? Well, um, if you're working and you're thirsty, and say there's no soda or water, all you have is beer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if I'm working. Uh, I mean, it would be nice to, you know, all line up and, and pour a draft at, 
pour a draft at halftime and just kind of sip it through the <laughs> through the uh, second half. And uh, yeah, I, I, Aaron mentioned that Illinois last time we were there, they did have post game beers, which was the first time I did, had had encountered that. And you know, it was it was nice to be like, okay, well, we're, we're working on and editing five six different stories post game, and you just you know sip the beer. So that that was good. I think. Even if I was in the stands, though, I, I would try to do one a half. Okay. And, you know, it's things like in kind of a classic old school Nebraska fashion where you just break things open in the third quarter. You know, maybe then you're like, oh, I'm going to do one more before they shut this <laughs> off because things are going well. That's right. There we go. And so pacing himself uh, one per half, if it's uh, time for uh, the fifth teamers to get on the field, maybe you order one more. We're going to do that math and say – We'll say two. We'll say two. We'll say two yeah, well, uh, beers big, for Brandon Bowman. A big question is, is it IPA or is it like Bush Light? Because those IPAs just hit a lot harder. That's the thing. It's like, is that just me being a young person? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I, I, I like IPAs, but I, I would agree with you. Like if we're talking a, a stadium beer, you know, just kind of a, a nice crisp lager or light ale is, is the way I would go. It just pairs better, I think, with watching from the stands. It is uh, it is probably seventeen dollars cheaper to go with a nice crisp lager, as uh, as well. <laughs> I'm going to go uh, the cheap route, man. That's where I'm going. Vogues, we'll talk Saturday. Fun to get caught up. Thanks for spending time with us today. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right. There he is, Brandon Vogel, managing editor, HailVarsity.com and magazine. We'll uh, continue this beer discussion. Also, some NBA thoughts. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at HailVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Okay, we will get to a steak and a beer wager, Phoenix-Milwaukee game two. But, okay, we're going to get into to beers for football. And the if beers allowed at Memorial Stadium or PBA, how many are you going to consume at each game? That was a Hale Varsity mailbag question. Uh, the massive response by the Hale Varsity work staff was, dude, I'm working. I, I can't can't drink during work. Uh, that is our our brilliant writing staff from a radio standpoint. <laughs> I'm not going to point fingers and throw in a guy's name Elijah under the bus or anything. But seriously, I mean, you're still in college. You you've worked most of the games for Husker Vision, so you, you weren't you weren't partying. But there's been a game or two you've gone as a student, as a fan. Oh yeah, and uh, of course of legal age. So. You know, that day will come, and it really just kind of comes down to convenience. You have uh, the beer guy, uh, you know, like the Dr. Pepper dude wandering around. Is there a beer guy there uh, within uh, shouting distance? Get your bush light. Get your Bud Light. See, and, and that's it. Like, I, if I'm stuck buying bush light, sorry to go uppity, then then I'll, I'll go with that. But I'll spend more on on hopefully a Kincaider or a Zipline or something. And I'm not Mr. IPA guy, IPA guy either. I'll get a Kolsch or something like that. See, the, the problem is, is those heavy beers, I'm two or three deep at a game, and I'm texting my ex instead of focusing on the game. Like, I need to I need to keep it light. Really? <laughs> I'm just going to take your phone away from you. <laughs> 
you can you can have seven beers, but uh, part of the payment is hand your phone off so you're not going. What did I do? <laughs> uh, you know, the next day. So let's dive into this NBA game finals uh, game two action. The line right now is Phoenix minus four and a half. We'll let that marinate for a second. So what what will we see different from Milwaukee? What will we see different? from Phoenix and do we have some of uh, the Greek freak you know what what type of game do you get out of Giannis in a second uh, second game setting here he looks fine does he continue to stay injury free Giannis after game one touched on being able to play through what was a scary situation with his knee I'm just happy man like you know when I went down I thought I'm gonna be out for a year. I thought I'm gonna. I thought I turned every, you know, hurt everything in my knee. Uh, and just being able to be on the bench and not being at cold table, getting surgery and supporting those guys, watching the game and walking around and cheering with them. You know, um, obviously, Marco Pedro decided we want to play, but at the end of the day, you always gotta find the positive things in uh, everything that you go through in order for you to move forward. You know, um, I'm happy that they were able to you know, get the job done. They played great. They played together. I was extremely proud for the team, and uh, I'm happy that you know, I have opportunity to uh, be out there with them again uh, and uh, you know, finish what we started. We, we, we caught the edit. His alarm goes off. He's like, oh, yeah. So long and short, hey, he was just thrilled to be out there, wasn't thrilled with the result. And quite honestly, Milwaukee was in that game. The third quarter was the difference. It was until that, that like end of the third quarter, Giannis went and sat on the bench for a little bit, and it felt like the Sun just won like a 20 to nothing run. Right, and they had, to, they had to manage his minutes. He was only at mid-30s versus 40-plus for, for some of the other starters. But uh, can Giannis feel good? Uh, for going into this game. You've had a little bit of rest. Can you feel good after game two? I don't know that Milwaukee's got a have tonight, but it'd be a lot cooler to, to, to Bucks fans if they did. Uh, one thing Chris Paul knows is the, the preparation's been the difference here for this Phoenix team. They were ready for what they were going to see in game one. I've said it all season long. One thing that we're going to be is prepared. You know, we're going to be prepared for every game, so... You know, um, we always talk about, you know, when preparation meets opportunity. So, you know, shoot around. Coach said, go hoop. Y'all know what to do. Well, what Milwaukee traditionally has done is get up and down the floor. They've been great in transition. Well, Phoenix was better. Phoenix was better in that part of the game. Free throws were a difference. Not only Giannis is going to struggle from there, but you had a 10 free throw attempt disparity so does Milwaukee focus on trying to get more to the rim Uh, you had Middleton who really did well offensively but it was a volume night versus an efficiency night scored 29 took 20 shots 26 shots to get there here's what can't happen for Milwaukee they can't hang or they shouldn't try and hang with uh, with Phoenix and this switching D, because when, when Chris Paul went off, 16 of his 32 points, he was picking who was guarding him. Every time on that pick and roll, Milwaukee'd switch, 
and a lot of times CP3 to have some big guy on him, he'd either get by to the rim or dish off, or he'd be able to step back and drill a three. Brooke Lopez was on him a couple of times. It didn't work out well. And look. Oh, I mean, I, I had nightmares no, yeah. of, of Jokic trying to guard Chris Paul two rounds ago. It's what the Suns have been doing all playoffs. And and how do you how do you, do you kind of die by a thousand paper cuts and switch more on a minimal basis? Or do you just kind of get, get pulverized with your with some of your matchups if you if you stick with some hard assignments versus the free-flowing switch. And that's just it. Uh, Lopez and some of the other bigs from Milwaukee are big athletic guys. They're, they're absolutely great athletes. But push comes to shove, CP3 is going to work everybody and anybody. That's just not fair. Isn't fair on top of the fact Booker's chipping in his 27. Anton knows his role. Well, let's get down to the uh, the nitty gritty here. Uh, four and a half. Milwaukee's getting the points. Phoenix giving the points. The uh, double or nothing stake in a beer bet. Elijah Herbal, you do the honors. Oh, you got let me do it again. Yeah. What do you want? Who you taking? What are you feeling here? What am I stuck with? Hmm. Well, you, you're putting all the pressure on me here, and what I'll, you're up. Yeah, I know. I, I uh, first time in like forever. I liked what I saw out of Milwaukee for about the first half, and, and they weren't even terrible in the fourth quarter. They kept things somewhat close. It was that one big run that Phoenix just tends to go on in the third. Uh, maybe Milwaukee's gonna be a little bit more ready for. It. I'm leaning towards Milwaukee, but four and a half. If it was six and a half, like it was on Wednesday, I would go Milwaukee mm-hmm. all day. Four and a half is a little bit tighter. That makes me nervous, but I think I'll still go. I'll go Milwaukee four and a half. So you're taking the okay. You're taking the Bucks and the four and a half. Oh, the, the, I'm taking. You, you want Phoenix and you're laying the four and a half, or you're taking the Bucks and getting the four and a half. I'm getting the four and a half. Okay, so you're taking Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah. you're taking Milwaukee to cover. I, I don't necessarily think Milwaukee wins, but I think it is closer this it's a time. Three point, three ball point game. game, something like that. So I'll take. I'll, I'm. Part of me thinks it's like Milwaukee is going to lose by like five. Sure. That, that's why and I think, that, that I think would six make, and a half would, that would uh, make would kill me, me happy. That but, would uh, make me happy. I'll, I'll go with Milwaukee then. Okay, that's fine. I, I'm quite happy to give that to you. You have you rooting for the Suns tonight? Yeah, I'll, be, I'll root for the Suns. We have Jacob Padilla tomorrow. If I tell him tomorrow that I was rooting for Milwaukee, he may never speak to me again. <laughs> I'll just, again, say, well, Elijah's a Bucks fan. No, the Suns are so much more fun to watch than the Bucks. I'll give you that. Giannis, he's incredible, but... You don't like he, his style? You don't like it, bully ball? It, it just bully ball and go draw the foul. And sometimes you get so tired of it. We'll wind down a Thursday next on Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, and I have missed her. We say hi to Deb the Spa Lady, Home Innovation Spas, 20th and Highway 2 in Lincoln off Industrial Road in Omaha. SpasOnline.com. Deb, with this uh, yo-yoing of the temperature, it's cold tub, it's hot tub time, but uh, guess what? You've got a temperature gauge to make it work for everybody. How are you? I'm doing great, and yes, that's right. You can just adjust that temperature up or down and enjoy it year-round. That's the great thing about a spa or a swim spa. 
And I know there's a lot of young uh, kids out there that, you know, their dreams are, be, are to become Olympian swimmers. They've been watching the Olympic, uh, Olympic swim trials mm-hmm. and dreaming of that. Well, if you can't get to a pool year-round, maybe the smaller towns around here, their pool isn't open year-round. So you can have one in your own yard, your only backyard. You go back out there, you train year-round, and who knows? You could be uh, accepting a gold medal for the United States. That would be wonderful, and the swim spa is just that. And, Deb, you've got one on the showroom floor, and it is uh, perfect. Uh, Let's just highlight and underline year-round because, like you were just touching on, the temperature doesn't matter if it's snowing outside. You put the old uh, swimmer's cap on, you fire up the goggles, and you just get your laps in. That's right. You do it. You can have that enjoyment and that workout year-round, and then if you want to sit back and relax, turn the temperature up, and enjoy the therapy seats. So, really, it's the best of both worlds. Deb, uh, Swim Spa is an amazing option. Home Innovation Spas, 20th and Highway 2 in Lincoln off Industrial Road in Omaha. Spasonline.com. Deb, the spa lady. Deb, you have other options, too, that are fantastic. Uh, you have the two-seater and beyond. Uh, I mean, you have uh, you have a, a hot tub for the neighborhood. You have a hot tub for the family. And, and uh, you have a hot tub for mom and daddy. That's right. You have a... You have one for the loners, so we've got one for, for everybody. And all those and Denver I, fans, right? Yeah. Hey now, hey, we won't go there. That was me. <laughs> but I would say our most popular size is a seven foot by seven foot spa, and it's going to seat five to six people. That's just a very common, normal size, and it, you know, we've got a lot of different varieties of that tub, bigger ones, little ones, we've got it all. Deb, when can folks come see you? How do they get a hold of you? Well, we're open 10 to 6, Monday through Friday, and 10 to 4 on Saturday, and you can go to our website, that is spasonline.com. All right, Deb, we will, we will talk next week. Thanks for the time today. Okay, take care now. Bye-bye. Deb, the spa lady. Go see Deb, 20th and Highway 2 in Lincoln, Home Innovation Spas. If you're in Omaha, off Industrial Road in Omaha, log on, spasonline.com. That showroom's awesome. Deb uh, has jumped into a swim spa, and it's, it's massive. It's huge. And, yeah, if you have the, 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 just you and you want a two-seater, it's right there. We won't call it the Elway. So, I mean, like, is there, like, a sidecar option, like, for, like, a motorcycle? Can you have, like, side-by-side spas? You, you, that would be all right. Where one's, like, a swim spa and one's, like, a chilling spa? You, you could. I think the, the therapy seat in the swim spa is kind of like its own little lagoon area. All right, good stuff today. Brad Edwards, incredible. Same with, uh, uh, with Greg Smith and Brandon Vogel. Back tomorrow at 4. Thanks.